Welcome to the Writing on My Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Emanuela Stanislaus, author, career strategist, scholar, and diversity consultant. I'm on a mission to create community for women of color graduate students to complete their graduate degrees with confidence. On this podcast, we discuss all things related to the graduate school journey, including the ups and downs of pursuing a graduate degree. I also share personal stories and bring some friends along for revealing conversations about their graduate school journey and provide inspiration for others to level up as grad students. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Writing on My Mind podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Emanuela Stanislaus, and I am here with an amazing guest that I would love for you all to get to know and hear more about her graduate school journey. So today I am joined by Angela, who is the creator of Grad Girl Wellness an online platform designed to encourage women of color to prioritize their overall health and wellness while pursuing higher education. She earned her PhD in 2022 and is currently a postdoctoral fellow studying issues related to teacher retention and social lives of teachers. So welcome, Angela. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. I couldn't wait to have you on the show. We have been following each other for a while and we're serving the same population. There's so much synergy there. And we even got to meet each other at the Black PhD meetup that they had back in October or no, November. And you were so, so sweet and welcoming and, you know, just couldn't wait to have you on this podcast. So, so glad you agreed to be on here. So let's jump right into it. Why don't you go ahead and share a little bit about your grad school journey? What was it like? What prompted it? How did you know that that was a path that you wanted to pursue? Oh, that's a really big question. (laughs) And so I guess to answer it, I'll start at the beginning, kind of like thinking about where I was at the end of undergrad. And so I was a very good student, but I didn't have a lot of guidance or like mentorship when it came to thinking about what I could do after I graduated. And so I knew that I liked school. So I was like, well, let me apply to grad school. And I had actually done a study abroad program my junior year to Cuba where we got to do hands-on research. And I was like, this is great. Maybe I'll just keep doing what I like doing. So I applied to PhD programs and I got waitlisted at one of them. And I think it's only because one of my recommenders was an alumnus of that school. And so I kind of had to scramble and think of a plan B. My plan B actually turned out to be a great experience. I did Teach for America and I applied to graduate school um, again. And I think I had a little bit more of a strong reasoning as to why I was applying to grad school. Then I had an experience in the classroom where a student asked me a question. We were reading something about Frederick Douglass and my response to them was just like very flat. And I, I surprised myself. I said, Angela, that's just not 
that's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for my students either. And I think maybe some people would say, well, okay, just go read up on it and, you know, maybe do some professional development. But for me, I was like, no, I want to go back to school and I want to continue to think about themes and ideas and kind of evolve as as a, a thinker so I could be a better instructor. And so I applied again and I actually got into all of the master's programs I applied to and I got into one PhD program. And so that's where I went. It was a little bit of a, a no-brainer. And so I went to school in New York City. It was actually a commuter school. Didn't know what that was. Didn't really ask that question before I got there. <laughs> but I ended up doing PhD in anthropology, didn't know it was one of the longest PhD programs. So it took me eight years to finish and that's good. And now I'm a postdoc continuing to think about similar themes, but now I'm based in a school of education now. Thank you for taking us through that whole process. I'm just intrigued by how this trip to Cuba kind of opened up your mind to that. And I kind of, because I've been following you, I know that that has influenced your dissertation topic as well. But my question to you is how, as an undergrad, did you just want to apply to PhD programs? Because that's what it sounds like, like initially that you were just like, I'm going to apply for a PhD. Like what inspired you to even know, especially since you talked about not having, like you were a good student, but didn't have a ton of guidance? That's a really good question. And I don't think that I have a really good answer to it. I think even as I'm going through this postdoctoral position, there are things that I apply to in some senses out of like naivete, like, I don't know this is a hard scholarship or grant or fellowship. I'm just going to apply because it's available. And I feel like that's kind of how I was with, with graduate school. I didn't know anyone with a PhD. I don't think I knew anyone with a master's degree. I didn't have anyone like sit me down and say, hey, like, you're really smart. You should consider this at least not that I remember. I was just like, I like school. I didn't do a prep program or anything like that the first time around, but I will say the second time around, I worked with this program called the Institute for the Recruitment of Teachers, which I would highly recommend. They support you with your applications and GRE prep and things of that nature. But I could not tell you what 21-year-old Angela was thinking. She just was like, I like school. Let's keep this going. What was the name of the organization again? Institute for the Recruitment of Teachers? Yeah, Institute for the Recruitment of Teachers. And they're all about diversifying the professoriate and even the population of K-12 through teachers. And I continue to work with the organization as an alumni. And I think it's great. Free of charge. Everyone should apply. <laughs> okay, I will definitely look that up and put that in the show notes. And I would also want to know too, from your experience, it sounds like it was great prep for advanced degrees, but then I'm thinking the end goal is if you want to teach. Is that right? Or not necessarily? Yeah, I have a passion for education research and I know that I enjoy teaching. Like I love teaching. I love teaching high school. I just wasn't crazy about you know, the content, but I've taught undergrad at this point as well. And I really do genuinely enjoy being in front of a classroom and just working through ideas with people. But if, you know, an opportunity becomes available to me and it's more so research focused, um, then I, I would definitely entertain. And I know that I want to influence ed policy and however that looks, I'm open to it. 
Great. Thank you so much again for sharing. So what was it like as a grad student and as you identify as a Black woman as well, what what was it like for you pursuing this advanced degree while being a Black woman? Another big question. It was hard, right? And I think that that's probably no surprise to people who are listening. I was the only Black person in my cohort. There were 13 of us when we started. Only Black person in my cohort. There were no other Black people in the year above me or the year below me. I'm not from New York City. I didn't know many people when I moved there or really any people And so I think my answer is kind of like twofold. Like it was difficult in the classroom, but then there was also like the personal kind of like day-to-day aspects that were difficult. But thinking about like the academic dynamics, I think that I most definitely struggle with imposter syndrome. Like I didn't have a master's, right? So I'm coming into this program. There were three of us who were younger compared to everyone else. I was young, I was black, I was a woman without a PhD. And I, I never read one word of Marx. And I said, what, what, what is this? <laughs> what, who's Durkheim? And so it was a huge learning curve for me. But then on top of that, it's like, I'm trying to live in New York City on a grad student stipend. And that was a struggle. And I I had to work really hard to build community for myself. I mentioned that I was at a commuter school. And so that essentially means there's not like this sprawling campus where people like stay there very long. People are literally like in and out on with their lives. And so I was the co-chair for an organization we have called the Women of Color Network. And I tried to plan events there and kind of just do study halls and fitness events. But then I also had to get involved with just like New York life. And I, you know, I volunteered a lot. I joined a church and just tried to meet people that way. So that's how I tried to, to make the most of the grad school experience. Thank you so much for sharing. And I don't know if you know this about me. I'm originally from New York, but now live in South Florida. And I don't know, where are you from originally? So I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, so that, that's good to know, because like context, right, is everything. So you coming from the South, going to New York, I can imagine that it was a culture shock for you that you hadn't even imagined. Because every time I go back, I'm from New York originally, and my husband is too, which is kind of cool because we both have this background of what it was like, you know, <laughs> the fast pace. Everyone's like, go get her, that kind of thing. But I I can't even imagine what that is like for you with all of these changes, like change of environment, change of pace and culture of New York that is so different where people are just not that welcoming or friendly, I would say, right? Or cold. They could be nice, but they're just not like no one smiles at strangers you know everyone's just walking by pushing each other it's just like this whole crazy energy so not only that but then now being away from what you know your friends your family even probably food that you're used to that you're not you know getting over there so I'm I'm getting that in community was very essential to like to that so thank you so much for sharing how you went about building that community. And, you know, I wonder too, because you talked about you doing different things, study classes, I think you even mentioned fitness. Is this kind of what birth grad girl wellness? Is that how it got started? Or can you talk to us a little bit about what inspired you to start that? 
Yeah, thank you for that question. I think Grad Girl Wellness was another attempt at me trying to build community, essentially. I kind of had a different iteration of it prior to fieldwork. But once I came back to the States in 2020, the pandemic was like (laughs) in full force. And I was like staying with my mother at the time. And coming back, if anyone does fieldwork, if you're an anthropologist, coming back from the field is a very like outer body like experience. And I was looking for ways to connect with folks and so that's that's where Grad Girl Wellness came. I recognized that there wasn't a lot of resources about wellness for people who look like me in graduate school. And like the more that I tried to find information about it, I recognized that a lot of the information or studies that have been done were about undergraduates, right? And so a lot of the interventions weren't you know, applicable to us because we had such a unique experience. And I kind of was like, getting into like more of a fitness wellness headspace. And I found women who had terminal degrees or advanced degrees, but they were working solely in the fitness space. And so I was like, well, what's going on like during graduate school that makes these people not want to work in the industry that they trained in? And so I saw a gap, you know, me being the scholar that I am, I saw a gap in the literature (laughs) and I wanted to fill it by documenting that wellness experience for grad students, but I was also just looking for for community for myself as well. Awesome. So for within the grad girl wellness ecosystem, talk to us about what exists, because I know you have a podcast, which I love and enjoy, and we'll put a link to that. But what else is a part of that ecosystem? For sure. So we have done live events, like in-person events. Last year, we actually partnered with Black Women PhDs to do a, a like a fitness walk, a community walk in Central Park, which was really, really fun. I really appreciated getting to meet those women. We have virtual events as well. We have a wellness reset that we've done for two years in a row. And that is kind of a half-day mini virtual wellness retreat. And shout out to Alante from Black and in Grad School for having the initial idea and then just letting me run with it. Last year, we had a Lululemon yoga ambassador. So shout out to Jen. And she led a yoga practice for us. We've had people come in and do journaling, sound bath meditation. We even had like a intergenerational panel talk about what wellness means at different stages in your academic journey. And I would say, lastly, we have a little bit of merchandise. We just put out some affirmation cards for graduate students. So people really seem to gravitate towards the quotes that we put out on Instagram. And so we just kind of like repackage that into something that people can hold and take with them on their day to day. I love all of those initiatives. And like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes for folks to kind of check out for themselves. And, you know, hoping to, because I know we chatted a little bit in November, like hoping to collaborate on something too, because I do believe that along with, you know, community, of course, is number one, but also the wellness piece. And, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I remember myself as an undergrad, I remember having conversations with folks about the PhD and stuff like that. And I used to say, I'm never getting a PhD, even as I was going through like my professional life too. And I used to see what people, how different people were on the other side of the PhD, right? They looked like they had been through it, right? And I was like, Mm-mm, I really don't want to look like <laughs> how they look. And so I feel like wellness and, you know, taking care of yourself and prioritizing yourself would definitely 
you know, help with that whole experience and, and trying to make sure that you're, you know, kind of your full self at the end of that journey. So you mentioned having tons of research that you've done and found the gap in the literature and through your conversations with your guests on your podcast, do you have any tips for grad students who want to prioritize their wellness that they can take action on? Yeah, thank you for that question. I think it's really important for folks to start thinking about as soon as possible. One thing I've noticed is that these aren't questions that come up until maybe like a third of the way through the program when people are starting to feel burned out. So if you could start thinking about this as early as possible, I think that's a great first step to take. But for those of us who are like in the throes of things and want to refocus, one thing I always tell people is to find something that you enjoy. Find something that that is not just restful, but like restorative for you. So for me in grad school, I picked up salsa dancing. I had previous like dance experience and whatnot. And I actually started salsaing when I did study abroad in Cuba, but I started taking classes when I was in grad school. And of course, I took advantage of the student discount that they had. But that like to me was also a way of building community, right? Um, Being around folks who didn't care what I was studying or like what Marx had to say about XYZ, it just felt good to do. And so I always think that if you find something that you like, you're more prone to do it. So find something that you enjoy and it might take a little like trial and error and what you enjoy might change throughout your grad school journey or like your ability to do it because of your schedule might change. But just kind of give yourself the freedom to explore and find one, even two things that you like to do. And then the other thing that I would say just off of the top of my head is not to be embarrassed if you're struggling because a lot of people probably are, but I think there's so much performance that goes on in graduate school that you might not see it, right? So it's okay to, to struggle and to have to be intentional about your wellness because it's important and, and everybody else is just performing. Yeah, that's what I would tell folks. Great advice. Yeah, I agree. It's like we're in our head thinking that we're the only ones that don't feel comfortable with whatever is going on, the material, whatever. But the more I talk to folks, the more I realize that it's more common than not that folks feel like they don't belong or they're struggling. So thank you so much for sharing that. I guess on that same vein, are there things that you wish you knew when you started your program, like things that you know now that you wish you knew? Mm, that's big. <laughs> I there there were a lot of things that like in retrospect I think would have been helpful. There are a lot of things. I meet graduate students now and they're like, tell us about it. Like, what would you do differently? And so one thing that I would say is to speak up, trust your instincts. There's a reason you got to where you are. I think I spent a lot of time censoring myself. Well, I know I spent a lot of time censoring myself and and not speaking up and sharing my own ideas, but it's okay. That's why you're there, right? You're there to like practice ideas and, and see you know, where they land. So I would tell myself, speak up, trust yourself. Because half the time, the things I was thinking in my head were right. And then somebody else said it. And then I'm kicking myself after class (laughs) and I'm not getting my participation points. Right. So just like trust yourself, trust your instincts, because I can't honestly say that I have good instincts at this point. I know that I do have really good instincts. And then secondly, I would say to kind of like get a second opinion 
or just reach out to folks outside of your institution. I think it's something that I did kind of kind of by accident. Someone invited me to a conference and then someone invited me to a mentorship session. And that's how I started to build my network outside of my home institution. But I think that if I had done that more intentionally, maybe my network would look different. So I would just say from the beginning, if you can, just get a second opinion. There's multiple ways of doing things and your advisor has one perspective, right? So consider other points of view. I love that. Yes. Following your gut and then building out your network outside of your institution, which will help you to accomplish your goals even faster. I would definitely say I I typically talk about that a lot when I'm talking about networking and goal setting and all of that good stuff. So thank you so much for sharing. So I know you mentioned now that you are in a postdoc and just wanted to see if you could share more about what that's like and how that experience is related to your research and what you studied and maybe even like your future goals. For sure. So I am, I guess, 10 months, maybe like nine or 10 months into my postdoc. And in some ways, it feels like a continuation of the dissertation writing experience just because I have so much freedom. There's not a lot of oversight. I go into my office if I want to, and I just work on what I need to work on. When I'm not doing that, I have work from my like faculty mentor here who we're collaborating on a project with. But my time, in a lot of ways, is my time, which I really appreciate. My research is still more or less along the same lines. I'm still interested in education, still doing some work in Cuba, but I'm also thinking about different ways to ask the same questions, but in a different geographic context. So I I want my next project to be about teachers here in the United States. But overall, I think a lot of the experiences that I had in grad school, a lot of the things that I had to do have served me well now that I'm postdoc. And so I kind of hit the ground running when it came to building community. Like I was on Twitter, I was on LinkedIn trying to find out like who's had this position before, like what are the organizations on campus? And, you know, that's been really helpful. There's like a national black postdoc association that's really dope. And then we have a postdoctoral association here on my campus and I'm the social chair. So that's great. So I don't know, wherever it is, I find myself planning events and trying to get people together and build community. But so again, like things that I did in grad school, I'm continuing to do now as a postdoc, which is is really nice. Awesome. And is your goal to probably pursue a tenure track Faculty role? Listen, whoever's hiring at a research one institution, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Faculty do listen to this podcast. So yes, if you're hiring, Angela is available. <laughs> awesome. <Very> so, <laughs> so thank you so much, available Angela. I appreciate that. And can't wait for you to rock that tenure track faculty role in the future. We're just going to claim that right now. So this conversation has been amazing and I appreciate your vulnerability and sharing all of this great uh, advice that grad students can take action on today, whether it's getting involved, getting their community together, planning events to actually have the support that they need. So how can folks connect with you and follow you if they want to, you know, follow along? Sure. So if you want to connect with Grad Girl Wellness, we have 
you know, things set up on most of the social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram under Grad Girl Wellness. And on Twitter, the handle is just Grad Girl Well. And there's also a website, www.gradgirlwellness.com. And if anyone needs to connect with me personally, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. And I'm pretty responsive there. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I'll add all of those links to the show notes so that folks can easily connect with you. Thank you again for being on the show, Angela. I love this conversation. Same here. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Writing on My Mind podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, make sure you follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts, rate the show, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also donate to the show by clicking the support link in the show notes. Your donations help me to continue to put out new episodes to help support you and other women of color graduate students. I'd also love it if you can spread the word to other women of color graduate students to grow our community. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Dr. Emanuela. See you on the next episode.